Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Sukkah, daf Lav and Bet, page 32. So I want to begin towards the end of Amad Aleph, going on to Amad Bet. We're talking here about, basically, about the length of the lulav, uh, the size of the lulav, the requirements here about these arba minim. And, um, and we begin with a picturesque quote from the Mishnah, which is from a couple of dapim ago. Har barzel a lulav that grows in Har HaBarzel, the Iron Mountain, is a kosher lulav. What's the Iron Mountain? So this is something that is not clear from the Gemara itself, except for you can infer it from the Gemara itself. It's a place where the lulavim grow shorter to begin with. I guess it's because of the, the soil or something like that. Um, here, what I have is a footnote. Is a, It's a halachic footnote. It says, a lulav whose leaves are very short, like those that grow on the palms of the Iron Mountain, is fit as long as the top of one leaf reaches the bottom of the leaf above it, which it seems that the way that this palm branch grows is a little bit different. Amar lo shano ikaro, which is exactly what I've just read in English. If one leaf is kind of completely distinct without any overlap with the previous leaf, that won't be a kosher lulav. But we also have a breita that says a lulav that comes from the palm trees of the Iron Mountain is pasul, which is a nice little contradiction there. But we just learned in the mission that it's kosher. So rather, we need to understand that this is in accord with a statement of Abaye, namely that it depends on the lulav, it depends on the leaves, that you can have two different kinds of growth from the same from the same place. Um, so others will say that this is a contradiction. Right? What does that mean? Some learned the other that the Mishnah says it's kosher, but one second, didn't we already know that it's pasul? And then, this is not a difficulty. What that means is the text of the Gemara that makes the same halachic point is written in a different way. So as far as we're concerned, um, the story of it is the same, but the writing of it would be different, the formulation. And then the Gemara gets into other locations of Lulavim. Amar Rebbe Marion, Amar Rebbe Ben Levi, Amar Leitani Mari Mishum Rebbe Yochanan Ben Zakai, Shtei Tamarot Yesh Begei Ben Hinom, Vole Ashan Mi Benehem, Vizel Shushaninu Tzinehar Barzel Kshirot, Vizohi Pitzchashel Gehinom. So all of these rabbis, right? It's all it's a long list of saying uh, B'Shem Omer saying in the name of whoever, right? That there were two Tamarim, there are two date palms in the valley of Ben-Hinom, Gehinom, right? And the smoke rises between them. And that is the place where we're talking about, this is the claim that that's the Iron Mountain, right? It's the site of Geh-Ben-Hinom, which is also ascribed to be the entrance to Gehenna. Gehenna is traditionally known to be hell, right? But in this case, it's really a valley in the, it's basically southwest of the old city in Jerusalem. Um, so 
there is a concern of perhaps that might have been where there was a Vodazara worship done, idolatry, and there was smoking done for the worshiping, smoking meaning pillars of fire and smoke, um, to the worship of Molech, right? It's it's not exactly clear why this was um, treated in this way, but you know why it's called the Iron Mountain. But that's but that's what it is. And then the Mishnah, the the Gemara's citation of the Mishnah continues. We're talking about a lulav that is three tfachim long, that, meaning that seems to be the the minimum requirement here. Three tfachim is actually not if you put you know three hand breadths one after another, it's not that long. It's not that tall of a lulav. Well, let's correct that, says Rabbi Huda, who said that Shmuel said that really the three tfachim is about the willow and the myrtle, but the lulav needs to be four tfachim long. That there should be a, the appearance of a lulav one tefach longer than the other two. Rabbi Parnach, Rabbi Yochanan, she drosh a lulav tzarich, she had semina hadas tefach. Rabbi Parnach says, and we wanted even longer than that, it's that the whole spine needs to be at least four tfachim long, um, so that it will be one tefach longer than the other two. And then um, the Gemara says, one second, but we've got a Mishnah. The claim that we need three Tfachim long to begin with was about how long it's going to take to, to be able to do a weaving with it, right? The the nanuim, the, the motions that we do with the Lulav um, when, we, when we make a brach on it and in Halel and Shul, right? The idea is that as long as you've got three tzvachim long, then you're then it's enough to be able to do these these wavings. And if the whole goal is to wave it, then you've got then three tzvachim is enough. Mark de itle or mark de itle. So the gemara concludes and says, or at this point, right? The gemara concludes and says, three tzvachim is going to be enough to wave it, so that's going to be kasher. But then the other opinion is that you have to take into consideration the length of the lulav with regard to the other um the other meaning the myrtle and the willow and that's you know to say that market to market it means that one one understands it to be according to his opinion and the other according to the other opinion and again this is largely about how the writing of the gemara took place um and then we have one little bit more um and then your dan i'm going to hand it over to you tashma shiur my love, Bahade Alin, Lo Levad Me'alin. So this Gemara, there's a proof for this Gemara that we've read just above that says there's another Breita that says the the Hadas and the Aravah need to be three Tzvachim and the Lulav four. So that seems to be pretty conclusive. And the question then is, are we including? Is this just the leaves or is this the spine as well? And then the Gemara concludes that no, it can be even without the leaves. Okay, and then. This is fascinating. I'm jumping. Uh, no, sorry. We've got a case here of Rabbi Tarfon. Gufa shiur hadas varavat shlosha v'lulav arba'a. Rabbi Tarfon omer ba'ama bat chamishat fachim. So Rabbi Tarfon's position was that it should be an uh, an ama, right? The ama we is the length according to Rabbi Tarfon of five tfachim, which as opposed to three tfachim, right? That means he's talking here about the hadasim. And it's going to be much, much longer. Amarava, Shara le Mari Larebi Tarfon. Rava says, May Shara le Mare, the master, meaning 
God, right? The Holy One. Blessed be he. Maybe the Master with capital M. Forgive Rabbi Tarfon, meaning because he's got he's got this very extreme machmir, stringent position. Hashda avot if we're having a tr- tr- trouble finding hadasim that are three tzvachim long, which is the requirement as above, then how can you even say that you're going to require them to, to be five tzvachim long? That's just about impossible. So the the Gemara then concludes on Rabbi Tarfon's position that the idea is that um it should be all divided up, right? Kiata Rav Dimi Amar Ama Batshisha Tzvachim Asa the idea is that if you say that it should all be six, it doesn't have to be each one at that length, but you can divide and say, this one's three, and the rest goes to the lulav. So the idea is that you've got three, and then three-fifths, and it's a lot of um, jumping through hoops to be a little bit more generous to Rabbi Tarfon. Well, it's funny how they want to try to not funny, I don't know, but you know they want. They're trying to redeem that that because they recognize that it's sort of a difficult opinion to to understand and 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 is strict in a certain way. Um, I'm going to start with the new Mishnah that's here, which I just want you to notice is you know sort of point that really follows the same formulation as the one about lulav. So it's where I, that it seems like it's sort of a group of disparate. Uh, halachot around lulav, but they're sort of going to follow the same formulation for each one of the arbaminim, and and we should pay attention to where the mishnas follow are the same and where they differ. pasul, right? So the myrtle branch that was stolen or as dry as unfit, pasul. So again, the same thing. If it's one of the nashera or from a city of idolatrous people, it's pasul. Right? If it's if the top of it was cut off or the leaves were severed completely, here's a difference because now it's going to be specific to the Hadas plants. Or if its berries were more numerous than its leaves, then it's considered to be unfit. But if one diminished their numbers by plucking the berries, right? Like in other words, you, it, it, you did have one, you had a branch that had more berries than leaves. You can take the berries off and make it kosher, but you should not do that on, uh, on Yom Tov itself. So again, it's interesting to see sort of which pieces of the Mishnah are completely parallel to the Lulafan and which ones are specific to the mean of the Hadas itself. And now the Gemara, in an interesting way, wants to go on to say, how do we know that the Hadas is one of the Arbamini? And this was not a discussion that we had with the Lulav. Tanu Rabbanan, right? And so now they quote the Pasuk in Vayikra, chapter 23, verse 40, that says, Anan eats, Anaf eats avot, right? That says, bows of a dense leaf tree, right? She'anafav chofin So what does that mean? It's a tree whose leaves obscure the tree. In other words, there's so many leaves, you don't really see the tree itself. The Iza, right, Iza who, have the Omer Zahadas. And what tree is that? You have to say it's the myrtle tree. So maybe we could say it's an olive tree whose leaves also obscure the tree. The Gemara says, it says, Avot. It needs to be dense leaves, right? In other words, the leaves have to be in some type of like, what most of them are fortune explained, sort of this chain-like configuration, and that's not the case here. 
Gemar goes on, Ve'ema deluba ba'inan anafav chopim etzei So then they say, okay, say that it's the the dulba, right? Which is some type, it's called, the English translation I bear is the oriental plane tree, where the leaves also are in some type of like chain or braid-like configuration. And they say, no, it needs to be that the leaves obscure the tree, the leka, and that's not the case with this oriental plane tree. Now, again, I find this whole thing to be interesting because like, I think there always was a misower that it was the hadas tree, but they're trying to work it out based on the actual uh, description of the branch itself. And so they want to be like, no, it has to be this myrtle tree. And then finally it says, right? Maybe we should say it's the oleander, right? Amar Abai, and Abai says, and notice this is interesting. He quotes here Pasuk from Mishle, chapter 3, verse 17. Right? Very, very famous Pasuk that is used to talk about the ways of the Torah, right? That its ways are ways of pleasantness, right? In other words, that anything that we have in the Torah has to be way of pleasantness. The Leka, and this Hayorduv tree is not right? And why is that? Because apparently it's a poisonous plant and it has its leaves are like sharp and thorn-like. So in other words, the idea is, how could this be the mean? How could this be the species that we would use on Sukkot? It's not a nice species, right? It's not nice. It's thorn-like, it's poisonous. And Abaye, kind of in a nice way, uses this pasuk for Mishle to be like, it can't be that that's what we would do to fulfill the mitzvah. Rava comes, and so it's interesting to see that sort of there's like, a machlokas here, what pasuk they derive it from. He quotes a pasuk from Zechariah, chapter 8, verse uh, 19, that says, love, truth, and peace, right? That in other words, there's a, uh, uh, right, we we have to love truth and peace, and something that's poisonous is not something that's of peace, and so it also can't be this tree. So when we see these types of passages, Again, I always think these are chicken and egg passages, right? Like, I don't think it was, there was really a question that it wasn't a hadas. But I actually think it's beautiful to see both of the psukim that Abai and Rabba bring to this to really sort of show there's something very pleasant about the hadas, we always say, right? And the Gemara will go on later on to talk. I'm not going to read it, to talk a little bit more, uh, you know, about about the hadas itself um, and what its trees are like, Um uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but but it's interesting to see how they sort of use these psukim uh, to sort of prove that it has to be a pleasant tree itself, that it couldn't be a tree that we know is poisonous uh, or something like that. And I just thought this was a lovely passage between Abai and Rabba and even the fact that there was uh, sort of a machlokas over what pasuk you would derive it from. I wonder what Rabbi Huda, who, you know, as we know, doesn't really care about the beauty side of all of these species, I wonder what he would say about all this, because I feel like the uh, throughout now, the Gemara has gotten very, as I said before, picturesque on on the nature of these species and what they're supposed to be like and what we're looking for and so on. And I feel like, isn't beauty part of the story? Like, isn't this part of what it means to, to take these Dalaminim on Sukkot? Aren't we supposed to be doing something particularly lovely? The language of the Gemara here is a little bit, like, a little bit more... I don't know, rich imagery, I'm not sure, than, yeah, than I, and I think, think it's we usually find. Right, it's also interesting, the word of hedr is not used here at all. It's like what the nature of the plants has to be. It's not even an issue of hedr mitzvah. 
it's like by nature, this needs to be a nice plant. It can't be poisonous. It can't be thorny, which makes so much sense. But I agree with you. There's something very rich in this passage itself. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydrant website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.